Folks, you're so welcome to the Vineyard. My name's Andy. I'm part of the team here. If you're a guest this morning, if you're a visitor, we are, uh, we're thrilled that you're here. You need to understand that uh, this isn't a show or a performance. This is a family. Welcome to a family of hope, a family of life. If you have little people in the room this morning, if you have babies or toddlers, um, we want you to know that uh, they're free to make as much noise as they want. Um, please don't feel stressed. There is some space at the back if you get stressed um, about the noise that they're making, but I have um, three children that find it impossible to be quiet, even when they're sleeping, we're discovering. And uh, they used to be quiet when they were sleeping. At least we got that, but the, the last kind of few weeks, that's gone out the window. So I'm very used to being interrupted by children. Please feel absolutely at ease and at home among us. We are a family that's gathered around Jesus. We believe that he is very much alive and reigning in the world. And we believe that he is good and that he loves us and that we are doing all that we possibly can to learn how to live in and out of his love for us and for the world around us. One of the things that we're discovering as we press into this whole idea is that the love of God is not some kind of um, forgive me, but stereotypically feminine, um, gushy, mushy, like, oh, Jesus just loves us so much. It's fire, and it sets us on fire, and it gets on everything around us. And we love that. We say it all the time that in this community, we don't have a vision for a church, but we have a dream for our city that the life of Jesus would come to every single person and part of this city and the world around us. If you are here expecting our good friend Carl Martin, I apologize. Carl is stuck in Scotland. Um, but we are in the middle of a church weekend called Making Room for More. Yesterday, for any of you who were with us, had a real treat. Andy and Harmony Smith, who lead the Belfast Vineyard and oversee the vineyard in Ireland, were with us yesterday afternoon and last night, and Andy will be back with us this evening. Um, should have said on the kids' bit that we call this party people at the back of the room, uh, very much on purpose. We expect there to be a party going on in there. Welcome to family. It's a little bit chaotic. It's a little bit messy, um, but we love that. Um, my niece actually uh, was coming to church with my daughter, I think this was a year ago, and she said in the car on the way here, Nor, is it true that you have a party every Sunday in church? And Nor went, yep, that's true. <laughs> Love that. Um, so I want to invite you along tonight. If you haven't planned on coming, we will be back here at half past six. Andy will be sharing about how we make room for more in our city. Um, and the title of this weekend has really been the, or is the title that we're going to teach through over the next four weeks in the run into Easter, Making Room for More. I want to read a really brief passage this morning um, from the book of Isaiah. Don't worry about going there. It's only two verses that we really feel like God has impressed on us as a leadership team, as a church family. Um, if we were to kind of sum up what God is saying to us as a family at the minute, this is, this is it. Isaiah 54 verse 2 says this, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide and do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning, we gather to meet with you and to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you come? 
Jesus, would you be exalted and worshipped among us? Father, we're hungry to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we really feel like God is asking us to make room for more. This idea of more, it's, it's, a little bit, uh, it's a little bit tricky. And to be quite honest, uh, for somebody like me, um, it can be a little bit uh, stressful. We, we need to be careful when we talk about this idea of, of more because growth in our lives is not automatically a good thing. It depends what's growing, right? So growth in a baby is to be celebrated. My little sister had a baby girl last weekend, and the first couple of days, totally, she's a doctor. I don't know why like this happens. Whenever like doctors who know things but then have their own kids stress out. So she started to panic at the start of the week because the baby lost a little bit of weight. I have no medical training at all. That's like totally normal. Don't stress. Don't stress. But babies, when they're healthy, they grow, right? It's one of the signs that they're healthy. They grow. And it's a really, really good thing. We want growth in babies. Growth in tumors is terrifying, right? So growth is not automatically a good thing. It depends what's growing. And so the automatic question whenever we start to talk about making room for more is, well, what's the more? What's the more? What are we making more room for? And at its most basic level, uh, we want to say this is kind of Sunday school stuff, but we want to say Jesus is the answer to that question. My, <laughs> my kids are brilliant at that. You ask them almost any question at the minute, and they go, Jesus. It's like, no, no. <laughs> you don't want Jesus for breakfast. That would be weird. <laughs> but genuinely, when we talk about this idea of making room for more at its most fundamental and basic level, we're saying Jesus is the answer. We want to make room for more of Jesus in our lives, in our family, in our church family, and in our city. But there is more than that. We feel like God is inviting us as a family to make room for more people in our lives, for more of his power in his lives, for more of his radical generosity operating in and through our lives. And I love that we had this totally unplanned kind of prophetic foretaste of that, of a seven-year-old in our community capturing something and saying, I want to be a part of this and calling our entire community to give towards seeing justice flow in the world. So, so cool. We love that. And to be completely honest, the more affects and infects everything. This this more thing that we feel like God is kind of pressing on us as a family at the minute is about more depth and it is about more breadth. It's about both. And we want to spend the next month on Sunday mornings unpacking what we feel like that looks like. What does it actually look like and require of us to make room for more? Because one of the things that we know is big hearts change the world. Big hearts change the world. But before we jump in, just wave at me if you would say your life is pretty full at the minute. Anybody feel like, actually, my life's not all that full right now? Be honest. We want you to pray for us. Yeah, <laughs> Paul, brilliant, Brandon. Chris, did you nearly scratch your head? 
All right, we'll meet tomorrow morning. I'll sort that out. It's our youth pastor. (laughs) That's certainly the story I hear from most of you as I talk. As we talk and chat and how's life, what's going on. For, For most of us, I think the reality is our lives are pretty full. And I'm not really joking when I'm saying to those of you that are saying, actually, my life's not all that full. We would love you to bless us with whatever you've figured out because we badly, we badly need it. The story I hear from you as I talk is one of busyness and hurry, squeeze on time and the constant juggling of competing needs and responsibilities. Um, I heard uh, one of the vineyard uh, sages, a guy called Steve Nicholson, he leads a vineyard in Evanston. Uh, he's kind of one of the grandfathers of our movement. And I was listening to some stuff uh, from Steve a couple of weeks ago, and he said this thing that really annoyed me, like, like really annoyed me. It got right under my skin. I wanted to like turn the podcast off and say, whatever, Steve, do you know what he said? He said, you see, we need to understand that we have all the time we need to do what God wants us to do. I was like, shut up, Steve, you don't know my life. God has given us all the time we need to do what he wants us to do. Ah! Maybe there's some things in my life that I actually need to set down. There's a brilliant writer, American guy called Henry Cloud, who says that 90% of maybes are just (laughs) no's that lack courage. You see, whenever our lives are already full, how do we make room for more? Whenever our lives are already at their absolute limit, how do we make room for more? What does it require of us? What decisions do we make? Another old mentor of mine used to say, the most spiritual thing in your life are your choices. The most spiritual thing in your life are your choices. So how do we do this? I want to illustrate this uh, this, this morning and set this up in perhaps a, a bit of a crude way. I'm going to talk lots about buildings. Now, you need to understand that buildings are kind of, uh, we used to talk about it like this, that um, describing the church as a building is kind of like defining your family as your address. Like it's, it's, it's mad. You would never do it. What's your family like? 100 Wallace Avenue, red bricks, don't ever come. I just give you all my address. <laughs> Don't ever come. <laughs> Even if we invite you. <laughs> but wouldn't it be weird if I met you and you were like, tell me about your family? And I was like, well, you know, it was built in about 1905 and it's got red bricks and it's got a black door and, you know, it's got this like parquet floor that shrunk once we laid it down. So there's holes all over it and it looks kind of weird and, you know, <laughs> true story. If I started to do that, you'd be like, what is he talking about? I asked you about your family, not your house. But when it comes to church, we do this all the time. How do I get to such and such a place? Oh, go down there and you'll see a big church on your right-hand side and, you know, pass it and then go on down and turn left. And like defining the church as a building is madness. Church is family, church is people. But families without homes are some of the most tragic things in the world, right? Homes matter. Really, really important. So I'm going to illustrate this idea of how do we make room for more by talking a bit about buildings, but don't get caught up in it, okay? So what do you do 
when your building is full? Look around. What do you do when it's full and God's saying, uh, you need to make room for more? Well, one thing you can do is go, hey, God, we're full. Like, you know, we're at capacity here, so that's your problem. I don't, I don't think he lets us away with that. Um, so one of the things we did was, as a board, we decided, well, let's look at adding a floor, right? We could put a balcony in, in here, and we could put some more rooms for kids up there. And um, we, we got an architect to do some drawings, and we got a quantity surveyor to price it out for us. And do you know how much the quantity surveyor price came back at? 450 grand. Any quantity surveyors in the room? Wave at me. Just... <laughs> I have to be gentle now, okay? I had some things to say about quantity surveyors. I just wanted to make sure. So a good quantity surveyor, right? A good quantity surveyor does this job, right? They give you the absolute worst-case scenario, okay? Because if you pay a quantity surveyor to price something for you and it ends up more expensive, you're like, hey, what did I pay you for? So even if we could, like, go crazy on the QS's price, right, and cut 150 grand out of it, it's still going to cost us 300000 to add a balcony and some... Uh, rooms over there, and we rent this space. So, as a board, we were like, "That doesn't make any sense. We're not, uh, we're not going to do that." So, what do we do? What do you do whenever God says you need to make room for more, but you're full, you're at capacity? Well, in building terms, what we're going to do is we're going to add a service. This sounds kind of simple, but Easter Sunday morning, we're really excited about this. Easter Sunday morning, we're going double services. So I've been telling my staff, like, guys, double services, people sometimes get a wee bit stressed about this, so you need to be really excited. Um, so that was cool. I said double services and all the staff cheered. And you all went, oh, no. <laughs> Good job, James. <laughs> well executed. Easter Sunday morning, we're launching 9.45 and 11.30. And we're, we, we genuinely are uh, really excited about that. We're going to have a little party and big party operating in both. Uh, but here's what you need to understand. Genuinely, I am excited about this. But I am not naive in thinking it's not going to cost us something. But here's the truth. We pay for what we value. In our lives, we pay for what we value. If you want to know, uh, we did a thing with young couples last summer called Young Love. And uh, we did this thing on values and how do you know what your values are. And I just threw this statement out one night. I said, if you want to know what you care about, just go and look at your bank statements. And it was like a mind kind of what moment? It's totally true, right? We pay for what we value. If you want to know what you really care about, not kind of aspirational values or stated values, but the real values in your life, just examine your finances on a monthly basis and you will discover what you value. I, I like food. That's reflected in our budget. We pay for what we value. And as we move towards double services, we are genuinely excited. But we're not naive in thinking it's not going to cost us something. You see, in this community, when God speaks, we value obedience over anything else. When God speaks to us, we value obedience. We want to order our lives around the word and words of God. And we understand that big hearts change the world. And we've been learning over the past five years how to live that out. How to live lives focused on Jesus and other people. And we will gladly give up our own comfort, our own needs being met, our own security and routine to make room for more of Jesus and other people 
in our lives. And I mean this as gently and as compassionately as I can possibly say it. But if you like things staying the same and being predictable and moving slowly, then this family's probably not a great fit for you. Because one of the things I've learned following Jesus for 14 years is when he speaks to me, it's usually incredibly disruptive. It's usually like, a, it's like an interruption. It's like I'm kind of going this way and then God kind of goes, hey, what about over here? And you're like, but this looks much easier and much more comfortable and much more secure. And actually, when I do this stuff, I, I mean, I can get by and it can have all of the trappings. I'm a pastor, right? It can have all the trappings of looking like a life sold out to Jesus. But I know deep in my heart that actually it's a life sold out to safety and security. And when God starts to speak to me about moving towards things that feel uncertain and unclear that actually requires some faith. It's kind of scary. It's disruptive and it's difficult, but we value obedience and we pay for what we value. So I will pay in my own comfort, in my own security, in my own need for some degree of stability because I want to live a life postured, completely surrendered and abandoned to Jesus and what he is saying. I want to play a bit of a game with us this morning just to illustrate some of this. So if you connected with us uh, for the first time in Haslam's Lane, okay, this will be totally over some of your heads, but hopefully it makes sense as I explain it, right? So if you connected with us for the first time in Haslam's Lane, would you stand up for a minute? Just stand up if you connected in Haslam's Lane. Wow, fun. Um, Okay, you can sit down. So October 2012, uh, we gathered on Sunday mornings for the first time in Haslam's Lane, and... um, it was tons of fun. Yvonne, where are you? Come on, come on up. So Yvonne connected with us for the first time in Hazlitt. Welcome, Yvonne. <laughs> Have a wee stew. Come on. There you go. That should be on. Okay. There you yeah. go. So Yvonne, can you tell us a bit about how you ended up uh, connecting with us and what, and what that was like? Okay, we are going back five years ago this month that I went to Vineyard for the first time. A friend of mine, Gerlinda, neither of us were going to church at that stage, and she mentioned to me about Vineyard. I knew nothing about it at all, but we decided we would go on Sunday morning with her children and my girls, and we set off, not really knowing what to expect. And we arrived in Haslam's Lane, and there were just a few, there were, there were very few, but that was good. It was kind of safe. I was, I, um, I was divorced at that stage, not long divorced, at three girls, and I was very, very broken coming into Vineyard. I came in with a wall around me, and I met Jesus with people like Peter Curry and Roy, Yvette and Mark, where you came in and you just felt love and you felt no judgment and you met kindness every week and they used to come up and they used to just tell stories of what Jesus was doing in their lives and they used to take risks every week wee small risks but they stepped out they didn't care if they looked stupid they didn't care what it did and then they were willing to share it and they kept inviting me back And I kept coming back because it was just something about that love and that family that appealed to me who felt so broken and so vulnerable. 
Pete then asked me would I go to his house. There was a group's meeting, and that was just so not me, so not me. But he kept saying, will you come? He was like this cheerleader the whole time. And I used to go, yeah, and just not speak, not want to speak, not want to share, not even really want to be there, but still going back and going back. And then breaking into groups to pray. I just I didn't do any of that, Andy. It was just like, no, no. But still going back, and these people still did kindness, and they still did no judgment, and they still just did love all the time, all the time. And then a year into this journey, Andy had a night one. Um, it's a week night. Um, I think my story is like the... Um, the son in Matthew 29 that keeps saying no, you go into the vineyard and I don't want to go and then there's a change of heart. But it was a night I came and I can remember, I spilled coffee down myself and I just thought, why, why am I here? What am I doing here? And Paul Bradley actually cleaned my feet, you know, one of those mad things where again there was kindness and there was love being shown and Jesus was just so in the room that night. Mm. And it was at that point I just thought you have to stop saying no you have to let this wall come down a wee bit and you have to just you have to let go a wee bit here and for me that meant going into work the next day and having listened and heard to these people in in vineyard that took risks knew I had to tell people what had happened said I'm a boss and said I'm a VP you know something happened here last night and that was really that was part of the the journey so Cool, eh? So over the over the last five years, can you share a little bit about what differences Jesus made in your life? Okay, I've brought my three fiercest critics, and they're sitting there looking at me, going, "Because you need to know the truth here." Caitlin said, "You're, you know, yes, you'll be really honest, but you'll also be really false, because people have this image of, you know." I do love and kindness, not this psycho mother, you know, that gets up (laughs) (laughs) and roars every day. Had to do emotional blackmail to get them to come this morning. (laughs) One said, I sit in the toilet, you can still hear in the toilets, you know, and don't embarrass us. So, you know, that's kind of the truth as well that's going on. It's been a journey. These five years have been a journey. Um, Andy had the courage to ask me to speak on Easter Sunday. Do you remember a number of years ago and Dana interviewed me and I was nearly sick for two weeks about this. I went to see Andy and said, Andy, do you really, really, really know what my life's like and you want me to, to speak? And he said, yeah, you, you could do poster girl. And, um, <laughs> and I knew I had to speak. And at the end of that service, this young girl came over to me and she just the tears were tripping her and she said, you were here today to speak to me. Mm. And it was just, it was just amazing. And then on down this path on another Easter Sunday, there was the baptism services. And again, that was another, I'm not doing this. I'm not, this really isn't me. And Andy said, you don't have to be this religious person. You don't have to have this together. And I don't have it together in any way. But was another point of going, yes, this family accepts me. They don't judge me. They do love we do Jesus and this is okay to do this and not to have it all together and then this year I'll do the week of the compass story I had a really hard year last year I had a busy year at work and um, I'd got to June and I had said to people 
this was it. It said to God, it said to everybody, I'm having a year off. No welcome team, no anything. I'm, I'm taking an easy year. And that Sunday, Andy said, we're doing compass and we need people to do compass. And I just thought, no, I'm not doing compass. And compass is like five or six intensives over the year where we talk about uh, how do we uh, learn how to join in with Jesus in our ordinary life. That's kind of what Compass is for any of you who are like, what's Compass? Okay. And the whole of the summer I had this, this voice saying, Compass, Compass, Compass. And I really didn't want to do Compass. So I waited until the closing date was finished and I phoned Laura. <laughs> <laughs> and, so good. Um, I said, Laura, um, there'll be no spaces left. And she goes, yes. <laughs> and I said, oh, I really don't want to do it. And she says, oh, I'm really just writing your name down now. <laughs> 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 and she got it that it was still okay to say no and she, you still bring you on board. For those of you that know me, I teach in Dremore. And in September, we lost Isabel. We lost a little girl. She collapsed in our playground and she died the next day. And I was involved with Isabel. I was involved with the family. And it was probably one of the hardest weeks I've had to face. And our compass was the weekend after that. So I went to compass and I was horrible. I didn't want to be there. I just, I was so closed off. And Andy said, pray for your workplaces. Pray for something that Jesus can do in your workplace. And I just had the word joy. And I said, Andy, I just have the word joy, but we've no joy. We've just no joy in school at all at the minute. And I've no joy. And he said, just keep praying about it. And I'm not a great one for prayer, but I thought, right, well, we'll, we'll pray into this joy. And the next Sunday before church, there was a sense, you can't change what people think, but you know, you've 720 children in this school. And you can change joy for them. Mm. And I came and I spoke to Dana and Andy that Sunday. And Dana said, yeah, I think this is another yes. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and you prayed for me that day. And I went into work on the Monday. And I said to my boss, please just have a cup of coffee with me. Just listen. And told her about the compass. And said, I think we need to start something for children. And she started to cry. And she said oh, I'm going to have to give up Fridays for you. And I said, no, you don't. And she said, yes, I do. We're going to do this. And Jesus just brought all these people forward. He brought Youth for Christ forward. He brought other people that just believed in our children and believed in change in our school. Um, Peter wanted us then to speak to all the ministers in Dremore and we went out, I went out with no theology, no anything, to say we really want to change children here. We want to bring joy back into our community and we want to do it first of all through our children. We want a club called Jump. We want our children to jump for joy. We want them to have joy. We want them to have unity. We want to give them a message and we want these children to have a purpose. And our ministers and the other principals in the town bought into this and believed in this and they asked for a praise and prayer night. Dremore's a town really that has a lot of disunity and we had a night where I know that 
every religion was represented in our school to pray for our children and to pray for things moving forward. And we also had people with no faith that just said, even if there's no God, this is good. This is good that you're preaching love and hope to people, and we're going to buy into this. So we started in January. We had 100 people in the room jumping for joy and leaving our school with hope. Um, Friday before last, we had a snow day, which was great this week. But the week before, we had a fabulous leader in, and our children left with teaspoons. We were teaching them just to, to pray. Um, just teaspoon, thanks, sorry, please. And these children were going out saying to their parents, we have to say thanks, sorry, and please this week. And parents listen, we give them a to-do every week that they have to go out and bring Jesus to their families. And I have such a sense that we are never going to know in our school where this is going to reach, but that it is really, really going to reach far. So I'm here today because anybody that was stood up and remembers those early, early days in Hasden's Lane, which I actually loved. I loved because it was safe and secure for me. I didn't ever want this to grow. I just liked there to be a wee <laughs> few people. Um, but I was that broken person that didn't want anybody to come near. And Jesus has said, you have to do this and you have to do this but I'm going to be part of this and I'm going to be with you. And he has made so much of that very, very, very easy. When we were in... Actually, back... Is it, there's more? This is right. the end. This is the end. I'm sorry. Oh, well, can I just... Is this, this was given to our church, but it was given to me. It was Isaiah 58. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones... You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. And that's what you all do. <laughs> we... Um we know you're like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> but a, beauty, a, a beautiful mess. Um, uh, let's pray for Vaughn. Jesus, thank you so much that you come for all of us. Thank you that you don't ask us to be uh, all together. You don't ask us to be perfect. But you just ask us to be honest. And Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done in Yvonne. And for what you're doing. And I, I pray today she would know your pleasure. Above all else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Big hearts change the world. I am reminded all the time, I get the kind of privilege to travel a little bit and be in other church communities and places all over the place, and um, there's nothing in the world at the moment would take me anywhere else. I love that we are a family that say yes, and we don't just say yes when it's easy, 
We don't just say yes when it fits. We don't just say yes when it's comfortable. Uh, We say yes when he speaks. And that's the crux, I think, of the Christian life. September 2012, we spent Sunday mornings, uh, there was around eight of us in our living room. And uh, the closer we got to October, the more we panicked about where are we going to meet? We were going to launch Sunday gatherings. And we had uh, above the faith mission, but it wasn't great for people with prams. It had zero wheelchair access. And we were like, what are we going to do? And Pete Curry, uh, for about two weeks, uh, just went on a bit of a rampage of trying to find anywhere that we could somehow do something in on a Sunday morning, and we discovered Haslam's Lane. This dingy wee shop front with a horribly cold tiled floor and like the weirdest shape and a big red wall that we never bothered to even tidy up, and a, and a sink about halfway down on the right-hand side, and a stage that could fit uh, probably one of us, but somehow we managed to get a keyboard and a guitar and even some days a kick drum with uh, James whilst playing the guitar. Who He says it's awful. I actually loved it. But anyway, um, it, was, it was crazy. But by Christmas 2013, we had run out of space and we couldn't, we couldn't fit in Haslam's Lane and we knew we had to move. And uh, I had a conversation with the manager of the Civic Centre and um, she'd, uh, originally we'd explored that and they said, no way, we can't do church here. And then I had this other conversation and she said, yeah, we'd love to have you. Um, it would be about £8,000 for six months. And uh, I thought, flip, <laughs> wasn't quite in my uh, planning. And a week later, I had a phone call from someone in our community who said, Andy, I feel like God wants me to give £8,000. Would that make any sense? And uh, I went, yeah. Phoned the Civic Centre back and said, we'll have it for six months, please. And uh, January 2014, we moved to the Island Hall. Would you uh, just stand if you connect with us in the Island Hall for a second, just quickly? Anybody that came along in the Island Hall, stand up for us. Very cool. Amazing. Brilliant. You can have a seat. Um, so we were in the Island Hall for, um, for about six months, and um, we're going to hear from some people next week um, that connected with us then. Um, and then in June 2014, when our six months in the Island Hall ran out, we had uh, began connecting with Palm Park and everything that was going on in there. And we thought, this would be amazing. We'll move to Palm Park, and that'll be kind of uh, our longer-term home. And in June 2014, we moved to, to Palm Park Primary School. Um, just stand with us for a second if you um, connected with us in Palm Park Primary School. Wonderful. Sit down. Um, so... Um, Palm Park was just for, we were in Palm Park Primary for about 18 months, and um, what, if you weren't around in Palm Park Primary days, what you'll know is we couldn't use the school cafeteria for health and safety reasons, so we used to do tea and coffee in the community house in the estate. Anybody remember doing tea and coffee in the community house? And we used to literally have to make tea and coffee in a whole other building and carry it across <laughs> through the estate, through the church, or through the uh, school car park and into uh, the building. One of the other things that happens whenever we talk about our days in Palm Park Primary, uh, anybody that was involved in our worship team gets this kind of tick. <laughs> um, because we had a PA system that lived in uh, our office, which is in the center of town, which is an up two flights of stairs. And every Sunday morning for 18 months, our worship team arrived at 8 o'clock in the morning 
carried the PA system down two flights of stairs, loaded it in vans, drove it up to the school, unloaded it out of the vans, built it in the school, did our morning service, packed it back up into the vans, drove back down to town to the office, and back up two flights of stairs. For 18 months, that was just every Sunday morning, volunteers, all of them. Isn't that amazing? And then in February 2016, we moved in here. And uh, I would say stand if you connect with us in here, but that's probably the majority of us at least. Um, and what you maybe don't know if you've just shown up or you're just visiting this morning is uh, it was June 2015 in Palm Park uh, Primary School. We asked uh, you for £75,000, which was, uh, quite honest, our best guess at what it would cost to renovate uh, this building that had come available. And to be totally honest with you, I had zero faith for any money. I actually phoned a friend the night before we did our giving Sunday and said, what do you do if you get no money? Like, you know, we don't really talk about this in church planting training, that whenever you ask for like, you know, and so I was kind of like praying my best prayers, hoping for 50 grand, because I thought, well, 50 is like, okay. If you ask for 75, you get 50. It's like, well, we didn't get 75, but we got a significant chunk of money. Uh, by the end of that day, we had raised 104,000 pounds in one morning with two weeks' notice. And there was, I think, 98 adults out that Sunday morning. And over the course of uh, the next year, we got planning, we did all this, we raised another 50,000 for ventilation. Most of you know that story. I get a tick when we talk about that. And at every stage when we have made room for more, people have encountered Jesus and their lives have changed. And at every stage, it has cost us. And I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like Yvonne's, I would pay it again and again and again and again. And we're at this moment as a family again where... We are asking you to make room for more. And this Sunday, I'm, I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking for so much more. I'm asking for your whole heart, for every part of your life, to say, I will give up the comfort and the routine. I will give up the, everybody gets to be together in one big room. I'll give up maybe having a Sunday morning lie in, I'll, I'll give it up and I'll pay whatever I have to to make room for people to encounter and meet Jesus. Making room for more is disruptive. It's uncomfortable. And it's totally, totally worth it. You see, God always blesses us to bless others. The Christian life is thought of much more like a river than a lake. It is in motion. It flows. And it costs. But it's totally, totally worth it. And so when we think about what does it look like for us to make room for more, What does it look like for us in our own lives? That's a kind of 
potentially jumbled and slightly botched illustration of what that's looked like for us corporately as a family to change and be disrupted, to pay, to sacrifice, to give time and energy and money. But when you think about your own life, the rhythms of your family, the places that you work, and you hear God invite you to make room for more, yes, that's incredibly exciting, but it's equally disruptive. And we want to be a people Let's say yes to that. We want to be ready to give more and sacrifice more and not with a grumpy face or a okay God because it's you and you're God and I'm not so I guess I have to say yes. We, we want to say yes with our hearts bursting. That this is a moment of acceleration and expansion. It's a moment for us to go broader and to go deeper as we say yes to everything that Jesus is inviting us into, knowing full well that big hearts change the world. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come now. Increase our awareness of you. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And Lord, I invite you right now for each of us to put your finger on the thing or the place or the area where you are asking us to make room for more. We give you permission to speak to us. we ask that you would whisper the more. What is the more that you want us to make room for? Give us the courage to order our lives around that. The band are going to lead us. I want to invite you to uh, be really open for God to speak to you, for a thought to come from nowhere, for an idea, for like a sense of, I have to do something. Please don't ignore it. Write it in your phone. Share it with a friend. Don't ignore it. Simple yes. Simple yes to the words of Jesus. Change everything. Changes everything. We're never the same. Our community's never the same. Be really open to God speaking to you as the guys lead us. Lord, we say yes. We say yes.
this region, this province, and this island, and the world as it is in heaven. And we say yes to playing our part in that. We don't want to be passive. We don't want to hold back. We say yes to you. And informed and with courage, we say yes to whatever it's going to cost us. We're willing, God. And Jesus, we ask that you would be exalted in our yes. That in all we do, we would glorify, magnify, and point people to you, King Jesus, in whose name we pray.